Welcome to Lawmen, a podcast about local legends and obscure curiosities from days of yore. I'm James Shakeshaft, travelling back in time to kill Hitler. And I'm Alistair Beckett-King, travelling back in time to kill my own grandfather, Hitler. In each episode, we'll unearth pieces of forgotten folklore and hold them up to the searing light of our arbitrary scoring system. This tale is the tale of a Cornish handyman gone wrong. going back to Cornwall for this tale and we're going to be talking about potentially Cornwall's most powerful ghost in a tale entitled The Trials of Jan Tregeagle. I love these Cornish surnames. They all sound like a, you fell down the stairs while saying them. <laughs> well, he's Tregeagle. He's either Jan Tregeagle or John Tregagle, which sounds like you choked <laughs> as he fell down the stairs. I'm going to go with Tregeagle because it says eagle in it. So Jan Tregeagle, oh God. I'm not going to go with either of them, it seems. Jan Tregeagle. This is uh, 1600s. He died in 1665. But whilst he was alive, he was a very wicked man. And again, I mean that in the old sense of the word. You mean bad. He's a wrong one. But also yeah. in the old sense of bad, not in the Michael Jackson sense of bad. Yes, the very old sense of bad. Also, Nasty. Michael Jackson might have been other kinds of bad as well. Yeah, it's like he was trying to reclaim badness. <laughs> it was What's a bold wrong? Move, but it, yeah. we can't put that in the podcast, obviously. No. We have been happy to, and what's the word for when you become a saint? It's sanctifying. That's a specific word for it. He had a ghost as well, so he's already got one miracle. Michael Jackson has a ghost. If you look, if you Google Michael Jackson ghost, there's like, they were filming in Neverland Ranch afterwards. And he like, this shadowy figure walks across, forwards, walks across (laughs) a corridor and potentially disappears through a secret door. Well, that's fascinating, but we probably have to edit all of that out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. who's going to sue us? Jermaine. Uh, yeah, no, actually, it would be Jermaine Jackson. Or his son, Your Majesty. How do you know all the Jacksons' names? Be- How do I? They're an extremely famous family, and I just don't know these things. It's just so we know, if we do keep this in, none of this counts towards naming. <laughs> Fair's fair. That's very reasonable of you. Yeah. So, Jan Tregeagle, died 1665, unscrupulous lawyer. He took bribes, forged documents, bore false witness... May have murdered his wife and children. Who would put those in that order? It's burying the lead a little as as well as the wife and children. Uh, as may have seized an orphan's estates. Yeah, not just seized an estates, an orphan's. <laughs> may have been a Cornish bluebeard. Like the fairy tale bluebeard. Yeah, I didn't know about this. Who killed all of his wives and had them in a room. Yeah, some grim it was fairy like tales. an ugly man, ugly Frenchman, who was... Ri- I think it's a... Fr- I keep saying Frenchman because it was like originally a French tale. Hmm. Um... Oh, is it, he, is it a Charles Perrault fairy tale then? I don't know, mate. I just looked it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> Didn't bother to look at the citations. All right, sorry, carry on. So, um, uh, ugly Frenchman. Uh, killed all his wives. Yes. Basically. Married, killed, married, killed. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the way to do it. Like, don't, don't marry 12 and kill them at once. What no, a day. He's very much easier to remember than Henry VIII. Killed, 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 <laughs> killed. And so this John Tregeagle... He was so rotten that he he bribed a parson to be buried in consecrated ground in order to escape the devil in the afterlife. That's not going to work on God. Well, so after Tregeagle had died, there was a court case, and it was a dispute over some land 
that Tregeagle had been a solicitor for and he'd ripped some people off for committing some fraud and basically got the land put in his name. And as the court case was going on, it was a, it was a real mess. Just before the judge was about to sum everything up, the defendant called his last witness, Jan Tregeagle, and then his ghost appeared really? in the witness box. Yeah. I mean, it's a risky gambit. The the judge cross-examined him. You really ought to do that in cases of murder. Just get the ghost of the victim to come and testify. If we've got the technology. If the technology's there. We, that's what we should use it for. Well, they did it. His ghost appeared and was cross-examined. The case was settled the def- in the defendant's favour. And he just left. He was like, you deal with it about the ghost. Like, you can sort this ghost out. Is that? Nah. It, it, it was really difficult getting him here. You can deal with it. So the local clergy were summoned, and they they decided it, that if they just sent Tregeagle back, he's going the devil's going to get him. And they're vicars; they want the best for people ultimately. So they decided that they wanted to save Tregeagle's soul from the devil. So they gave him tasks to do, your classic infinite tasks. So he's getting homework now. He's now getting homework. Somehow that means the devil's not going to get him. His first task was to empty Dosemary Pool in Bobman Moor using a shell with a hole in it. Dosemary Pool was a magical pool. It was it, Some people thought it was bottomless or it might have linked out to the sea. He's one of the places that the Lady of the Lake of King Arthur legend is supposed to have been. All right. And where the sword Excalibur was thrown. There's one story that someone threw a bundle of sticks into it and they turned up six miles away on top of a hill (laughs) someone just look what's that in the distance i recognize them sticks these are my sticks that i threw away and so he's doing this but apparently one stormy night he makes a break for it and he's pursued over the moor bobby moor uh by the devil and his headless hounds which sounds scary when you just sort of say it like that. They just bark like... <laughs> it's very much taken away the scariest bit of a dog. The action point, the attack centre of yeah. a dog, is the face. What's it going to do? Just hump your leg? Just neck you a lot. Nuzzle in your crotch with no head at all. Oh, that'd be awful. Not as bad as being ripped to shreds by massively powerful jaws. Yeah, you're right. And he got as far as Roach Rock, which has the remains of St. Michael's Chapel, and he managed to get his head through the window, but he got stuck and was evidently mauled by the storm and so the dogs. He's, he's the kind of ghost that can't just run through He goes I don't know walls. what. He, just, he has to get through yeah. holes. Okay. Yeah. He's a ghost with a job already. <laughs> and his screams were heard for miles around. And the local priest was like, forget this. This has got to end. So he called on two saints to help move Tregeagle on. And he was then moved on to Low, and he had to carry sacks of sand. <laughs> sorry, sorry. They, they just moved on to a different job. Yeah. How's that going to... I mean, the devil can just... He's got a new job now. <laughs> yeah, so he he's at low estuary carrying sacks of sand across. But at one point, a demon tripped him and he spilled one of the sacks and it formed a sandbar which sealed off the harbour and all the people below were very angry and moved him <laughs> on again. Uh, to Gwenvor Cove. And there he was tasked with making a truss of sand and carrying it up the hill to a certain rock. Or some stories is that he has to weave ropes out of sand, this old chestnut. We know that's difficult. However, one cold and frosty night, he used some fresh water from Velendreth Brook, freezes the sand. Mm. Completes the task, like what you're worried about. So they moved him on again. (laughs) Being being a wise ass. And he now, then he had to sweep sand, and I believe he's there still, sweeping sand from Porthcarno Cove at Land's End. It's very windy. He keeps blowing so the sand back he's in. He's just sweeping it and they're blowing it sweeping back. Sweeping it, blowing back in. And on particularly windy nights, you can hear his anguished cries. And that, Alistair, is where the story ends. 
Or is it? <laughs> In the book, Ghosts of Cornwall by Peter Underwood. Unders. Classic. I'm it with a Z. Yeah. We, didn't, we haven't mentioned yet that the president of the Ghost Club Society. Too many words in that. <laughs> One too many. Anyway, I was flicking through this book, also looking up other legends, and I got to the bit about Roach Rock. A young couple, Nicola and Mark, were visiting Cornwall, having a lovely time driving around. Mark decided he wanted to climb up Roach Rock to see this, you know, this ruins of this chapel. And Nicola, she stayed in the car and she thought she, she didn't quite like it. She had a little bit of apprentice feeling. It sounds to me like they might have had a row. She stayed in the car, thought she'd take a photo of him. She saw a figure at one of the windows and took a couple of snaps and then waved. There's no response to this wave. And then she looked over a little bit and there's Mark and he's waving at her. And then she looked back to the window and she realises there's no floor or ceiling on that bit of the wreck. <gasps> and she got a little bit freaked out, took another couple of pictures. She wanted to go and join him, but it, she was just a bit too scared. And when he came down, they took it to have the film developed. So that dates this story this already. story took place hundreds of years ago. Yeah, about 20. In the 90s. Yeah. And she took this film to be developed. And each of the three shots she'd taken of Roach Rock were blank. All the preceding shots are fine. The later shots are fine. Just these three pictures of the rock were not there. I love the way in these stories, the fact that there isn't any proof is presented as proof. And then the photographs didn't exist and he admitted it was simply a dream that's where that story ends but that that's the same church that your friend of mine john Eagle, had got his head jammed in so are you are you doing some original research here and connecting those two stories you could say that wow. i'm glad you did say that do you have any evidence to support that connection no what? it must be true yeah i'm pretty impressed yeah i don't think we've ever done any original research before and I suppose I, I had genuine oral folklore in the um, the Durham story. About cows? Not about cows. It's got loads of stuff going for Oh, it. yeah, Hitler and that. Yeah, that Hitler specifically wanted to bomb it, James. Stop mocking that. It's true. <laughs> he hated Durham Cathedral for its freedom. There's a place, the round table's supposed to have been um, on the south coast. It's got a thing called Buttercross, and Hitler loved it. It's where he would have set up the capital of England to have been. Well, I bet he would have ruined it. I'm Googling to find out... I've inadvertently come up with uh, a new television format. Um, Hitler's favourite town, UK. <laughs> oh, it says Bridge North, but that's not it. Also, Oxford. Everyone's claiming that they would have been the capital if if that Hitler liked them. Where is where's everyone saying that? <laughs> Whoa, we've just taken a bold anti-Hitler stance on the podcast. Didn't didn't know it was going to get political, James. Going to make a stand unless we get loads of complaints. Yeah, we'll, no, we'll do it. We'll do a, a, a pro-Hitler edit. Right, you can download from the website. Right, the scores. Names. I think one of the worst segues to the scores so far. Names, excluding the Jackson family and now Hitler. So the Jan names, we've got, we've got um, Jan, Your Majesty, Trigigal. I <laughs> yeah. think that's his full name. Jan Majesty, <laughs> uh, Trigigal. That's a, that's a, I don't want to overstate things, but I think that is uh, an award-winning name in and of itself. Trigigal. Trigigal. Um, what we was got the name Cornish of that lake? The, the lake had a pretty good name. Dosmery Pool or Dosmery Pool. Dosmery Pool. Gwenvore Cove. See, the thing is, Cornwall, the place names sound like rejected Star Wars characters. <laughs> There's a place called Morazanvos. Mar- There's Kriegbraws, Treescalade, Zella, Villandrith. These guys are all just sitting on the subs bench for Lord of the Rings. Just, yeah. just trying to... Oh, not quite. There's also a place, I think technically it's in Devon, called Trago Mills. Mm. Which, if you ever get the opportunity to go to Trago Mills, you take the opportunity. You grab it with <laughs> both good? hands. It's 
Apart from being a bounty hunter, is it good? Yeah, it is amazing. It's like, oh, it's like a big pound shop. And you go there, and sure, there is a big pound shop there, but there's also a load of fairground mines. And the other thing that Noah mentions, places thick with peacocks. <laughs> it's like you've gone to a town where everyone's been mysteriously turned into peacocks. There's like, you go in the loo, there's a peacock in the loo. <laughs> it's Trago Mills. Trago Mills. Honestly, wow. I can't advertise it enough. It's, I think it's five out of five for, for names. These are all Brilliant. great. I think these are some of the best names Land's we've ever had. Land's End. Porthcurnow. I mean, Land's End's not that good. But I think the, that's quite a good name. Did you not like Land's End? It's, it's, right. it's, 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 it's kind of obvious. It's no it's John of Groats, is it? John of Groats. But you don't know what you're getting, no, John no of Groats. No one says John of Groats. <laughs> <laughs> only his mum when he's in trouble. John of Groats. <laughs> five for naming. Well done. Uh, two, Supernatural. Come on. It's hard to fault it. You've got ghosts and Satan. It's all about the ghosts. A ghost involved in a, in a, in a legal dispute, which exactly. is, is rare. That's in a, a rare supernatural. All rise from the dead. So many witnesses. An entire court. Yeah. Multiple. He also appears, potentially, in a second ghost story. It's like Stan Lee. Just or... doing a cameo in another ghost story. No, it's like part of the Cornwall extended universe. <laughs> Um, it is amazing to think that all the people of Cornwall exist in the same world. I know. It's five out of five. Brilliant. I can't. It's really, it's a really good story. And also that name, Trials of Jantrig Eagle. That's my name. What? I came up with that. You named it the Trials of Jantrig Eagle. Yeah, that's not the name it was in the book. It oh, was good called work. like Tasks. But I was just going for the trial pun because of the court case. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's really good. I missed it. Mm, well. Well, kind of been that good. Could stick. I would have stuck an extra point on naming, but you've already got five out of five. Five out of five for supernatural as well. Yes. Next task: sand gets everywhere. A lot of the tasks are sand based. Exactly, and that's what I was noticing. I was going through like, well, the first one was not sand related. He had to empty a pool using a shell that had a hole in it. So no sand there. Next one, sand. Carry bags of sand. Demon tricked him. He spilt that sand. Blocked off a harbour. <laughs> killed off a town's livelihood. Next place, uh, making trusses out of sand oh, yes. to transport that sand to the top of a rock, which is like a big sand. Yes, in a way, if rock, sand is made of small rocks, so in a way a mountain is just very large sand. And and then he's got to whip away the sand uh, at Land's End. He's got to sweep up the sand. Oh, yes, so that's three with sand. Um, and he also, I feel you're leaning towards just giving me a three for I, this. I am leaning towards a three. he also, he beats the sand at its own sand game by freezing the sand. Like, do you remember when we did Bad Lord Sullis? I do. We were very disappointed there was no resolution to the spinning ropes out of sand tale. Yeah, I remember that. This guy's just done that. I don't know how frozen sand is a rope, so it's a stretch. It was like a truss. It was a truss. Well, fair play to him. I was leaning towards three. I think it's four. The reason it's not five is that the category is sand gets everywhere, and there are several places in the story where there isn't any sand. Yeah. So that's that's not accurate. But Maybe. A more accurate category would have been sand gets several places, but not everywhere. Sand gets you four out of five. Bang on. Yeah. Um, and the final category is James Shakespeare, Private Eye. Quite bold to make you a category mm-hmm. in a story not principally about you. Mm. And am I right in intuiting that the reason you've done that is you're very impressed with yourself as having noticed two similar things in two different books? Yep. How many points do you think you're going to get? For that. Well, it's a maximum of five. <laughs> All right, so... I came up with a name. What's that? You named it The Case, but you didn't even call it The Case Of. It didn't begin with a dame walking into your office. 
You're not wearing uh, a fedora, thank goodness. Mm. Oh, I genuinely saw a man. Today, middle-aged man, average build, height, everything, average guy, average suit, average tie, wearing a fedora and a cape. I feel like Terry Pratchett has a lot to answer for because he's a wonderful writer, but he did keep wearing that hat. Mm. And I feel like a lot of undistinguished white middle-aged men have confused a hat for a collection of interesting opinions. Yeah. I think he's taken his New Year's resolution. He's like, well, I'm going to wear my cape more. <laughs> Combine it with the hat. People, whenever I wear the cape, no one mentions the hat. <laughs> and I don't like judging people necessarily for their fashion choices. I wish hats could come back for men. I would love to, as a man who's going bald, I would love if hats came back for men. But as a, The problem is that the people accessory. bringing them back are the worst people. Yeah. I was going to score you quite low, but then you demonstrated a sort of Sherlock Holmes inability to deduce an awful lot about a man just by looking at his appearance. <laughs> <laughs> Even if the man in the question was wearing a hat and cape, making it a little easy for you. Yeah. Um, so you, it's possible you have a, a nemesis out there, which is, is quite a private eye thing to have. Ooh. So I'm going to say three out of five. Um, but oh. on the subject of private eye, since we are recording this near Crystal Palace in South London, mm. uh, have you seen the uh, the FBI just around yeah. the corner from here? Finlay's. <laughs> there is a there is a, a private investigators called Finlay's Bureau of Investigation, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is FBI. I was literally walking past it yesterday, and I heard the people on the other side of the road notice it and go, <laughs> look at that. Finley's Bureau of Investigation. I hope like his first name is Callum or something. The FBI complain and he changes it to Callum's Investigative Agency. <laughs> something like that would be great. <laughs> he, he's a real private eye. You're, you're not, so three out of five. Maybe I could get a job. Or advertising. Finley, if you wish to advertise. Yeah, free as advertising well. for yep. what I assume is an Irishman in a cape and a fedora. Probably not going to advertise if he listens to this podcast then. Not all heroes wear capes. <laughs> Now we're going to answer the question you should never ask someone in Hartlepool. Who hung the monkey? I don't know whether this story qualifies as being forgotten folklore, because I think it's almost as famous as the Lambton Worm. Oh. We're in Wormtown here, James. Uh Oh. (laughs) Yeah, so it's pretty famous. Forget it, James. Is Wormtown. <laughs> it is quite famous, but it is definitely a local legend, and it is the story of the Hartlepool monkey. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I thought we needed some ghost monkeys out there. Thank you. So there's a chance that you've heard this story, but if you haven't, here's what happened. During the Napoleonic Wars, uh, which was, uh, as you and I both know, the past. Sharp's territory. Yes, yeah. Like Sharp territory, except in Hartlepool. A French ship of the, the type Chasse Marais, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, foundered on Long Scar, which is a rocky outcrop in Hartlepool, and all hands were lost, which is an old-fashioned way of saying everyone died, mm. except for one pair of hands, a very hairy pair of hands. I think you can see where this is going. But... Yeah. So a, a, a large monkey washed up on the shores wearing a red beret. And that is important. <laughs> that, is, that is as important as it is unrealistic. <laughs> 
the 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 beret would have survived. Maybe you, clutched at the berry like uh, don't lose my berry. <laughs> yeah. If I lose my berry, I lose my sense of self. The monkey presumably thought. Mm. Prince will write a song about me. Really? Raspberry beret. Oh, yeah. Kind of your find in sticking in store. We can't afford the PRS, so stop singing that. I don't that, stop doing that absolutely accurate <laughs> replica of a Prince song. And when he was a monkey, wouldn't wear much more. Let's. <laughs> so, I've set the scene, mm. and, and you've ruined it with a Prince song. Yeah, I'm now thinking about Prince. Just, just like the, middle no, no, of no, the no, no, Tim no. Burton Batman film, when <laughs> the bat rap comes in, ruining yeah. the whole thing. Bat dance, but. Good Is effort. Is that what it's called? Yeah. So no, no, no. It's a great effort. Bat rap would be brilliant. It's, pretty cl- it's what Batman would use, like cling film. Bat yeah. rap. Uh, the, the, the villagers flocked around and everyone got involved, like the local coast guardsman, which is not the same as a coast guard as far as I can tell. I don't know what a coast guardsman is. Probably someone who's looking out for French invasion. And the mayor, and they don't know who this guy is. They ask who he is and he doesn't respond in English. Mm. S- Sidebar, because he's a monkey. <laughs> and they th- they conclude he must be a French spy. This supposedly happened in, during the Napoleonic Wars. The earliest a- account um, that I can find is uh, Athol Forbes, uh, a.k.a. the Reverend Forbes Alexander Phillips. And it, he runs down the reasons they thought he was a French spy. One is the red beret. Beret, obviously French, and red is the colour of revolutionary France. So mm. that's extremely suspicious. Second, he's covered in hair. French. The third is um, w- when he was offered the, the Bible to swear upon, he bit it in half. <laughs> like a French atheist would. Johnny Frenchman. Yep. yep. And the, the fourth and the most convincing of, of all is a, a woman, a, a townsperson from Hartlepool said, well, I wouldn't marry him. And that was conclusive. <laughs> The, the annoying thing about that, this, his account of the story is, it says they couldn't work out the language he was speaking. So they thought about going to talk to the vicar who spoke Greek, Hebrew and French, or maybe the schoolmaster who spoke French. And that is the last time either of those characters appear in the story. <laughs> no, they ne- just never get called back to. <laughs> we could go and ask these two people in the town who speak French or don't. So they had, for want of a better word, it was uh, a kangaroo court right there on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> you see what I did there? Yeah. It's another kind of animal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, oh, they did a, f- a variety of unpleasant things to it. They stuck a fish in its eye. Um, Ned Corvin, in around 1860, wrote a, a popular song to the tune of Tinker's Wedding. So now you can cool. imagine it. Uh, I, I can't quote much of this song because it's basically all monkey torture. But um, I will quote just this bit, just because it, it... Tinker's wedding. <laughs> that's how it goes. Um, to poor pug, that's what he's called, that's what the monkey's called in this version of it. To poor pug, thus all hands behaved, cut off his jimmy, some fools raved. Another cries out, he's never been shaved, before they hung the monkey. Oh, and I think of all songs that end with, oh, this is the worst. <laughs> um, unless the oh is the sound of his mon- jimmy being cut. I mean, cut off his jimmy doesn't leave much to the imagination, as euphemisms go. <clears throat> Whew. So it's pretty, pretty horrible stuff. Paul Screeton in Aspects of Teesside has looked into this, uh, or Screetonized it, as I assume he would say. Definitely. And uh, his is the the, the lengthiest uh, account I can find. He's got uh, a couple of theories. He starts by pointing out that there is no contemporaneous record of this happening during the Napoleonic Wars, which is a bit of a bummer, because that means it didn't happen. Mm. But his main theory is that... Uh, it, Cover up. <laughs> Not quite, although there is a scandal coming. Um, the, his main theory is that it was uh, a bit of propaganda put about by West Hartlepool to, as a way of attacking Hartlepool. It's frustratingly not called East Hartlepool. 
because um, then we might have a west side, east side sort of uh, beef going on, but we, we don't have that. Yeah. So and basically, or, or you know, I don't know what they think a shark might be, a French submarine or something. <laughs> <laughs> so these basically the west side mother. He, he thinks that the, the railways were being built and someone wanted some business and so they were putting about rumours that the other people they were just attacking the other guys um, and comparing them to monkeys or as he calls them uh, Jenny Hanovers which is a, apparently a kind of fish which when dried can be shaped so it looks like a monkey you'll have seen the sort of the fake mermaids which are oh, half fish yeah. half monkey yep. they've got those in the museum in Hartlepool so that you could call that a Jenny Hanover and he thinks the phrase was being used to suggest that the, the officials over on the other side of town were sort of phonies Right. Yeah. He thinks that's part of the uh, the general monkey business, as he calls it. Of course. Uh, Is that the origin? Of the phrase monkey business? Probably not. Absolutely not. Monkeys are notoriously silly. <laughs> Just the general mischievousness of monkeys is mm. the origin of the phrase monkey business, I think. Imagine if it had come from a town famous for not ever having a monkey in it. <laughs> So the, the the other reasons why this probably didn't happen are that it's told about several other towns uh, in Scotland, though Hartlepool appears to be the oldest. There's one down in Cornwall Way, I think. Somewhere in Cornwall, they, they did that. Did they, they did a similar thing, yes. Mm. Maybe mouse holes. Mouse holes? It's written mouse holes. There's, There's a place called on. mouse holes? Yeah. There's some silly place names in Cornwall. There are some ridiculous ones. Westwood and Kingshill think that Hartlepool is the, is the earliest place where this story takes place. Um, oh, I promised you a scandal, didn't I? Yeah. So there's a there's well two potential scandals here. So one is one of the side theories is that um, according to traditions and law, ships are only salvageable if all crew have been lost. And so the theory is that the ship was wrecked, uh, but the monkey found in order to be able to salvage it, they had to find a way of doing away with the monkey. And so it was a cover up. That's one of the theories. It was a monkey and they had to pretend... They had to kill it. No, because they considered the monkey oh. to be part of the crew. So in order to be able to salvage the ship, they had to kill the monkey. But not salvaging any dignity because they're still saying that a monkey being on a on a ship is part of the crew rather <laughs> than yeah, yeah. just cargo. It's <laughs> just st- cheeky cargo. <laughs> reminds me of... In- makes me think of Indiana Jones. A lot of things make me think of Indiana Jones. But this... Do you remember... Is it? It's Raiders of the Lost Ark, isn't it? Where he's got a little monkey mate, and I th- does the monkey wear a fez? I feel like it's the kind of film where a monkey would wear a fez. His mate, the one that shouts, "Indy!" Jonathan Rhys Davis, yes, wearing a fez. Yes. Are you thinking of Jonathan Rhys Davis as a, a monkey? Tiny version that? of him <laughs> eats one of the dates and dies. No, there is a little I mean, monkey. He's, little... he's not even French. He's Welsh. I think the macaque had a little waistcoat. I don't remember there being a monkey in it at all. I'm There's not saying you're wrong. Well, it got poisoned, and he and Indy does a really cool thing where he hoys a date up in the air and goes to catch it in his mouth. But Jonathan Rhys Davis, playing outside his race, catches it, points at the dead monkey, and goes, "He had a bad day." Good wordplay. Not even related to it, it's just another incidence of a monkey dying. What you're saying is, here's an example of a, a monkey hey, that you, I've seen. you like dying monkeys. <laughs> here's my dying monkey story. But I've, I've got a secondary semi-scandal for you, mm-hmm. which is, and this is the reason I think the story is quite well known now. According to um, Atoll Forbes, or uh, the Reverend Forbes Alexander Phillips, it's a way to humiliate Hartley Pudlians to say, oh, by the way, who hung the monkey? Um, or who hanged the monkey? They do say hung the monkey all the time, even though I know that's not correct. So please don't write us emails. They won't. The people who would correct on that would not write emails. It would all be longhand. That is true. Yeah. Mm. I don't want to receive a scroll. I would like to receive a scroll. Yeah, I would now that I've said it. But I'd have to sign for it. <laughs> be annoying. 
So, oh, what was her name? I can't remember what was her name. This is the other scandal. Oh, no, it's a way of slagging off Hartley Pudlians. Oh, yes. Do Not Hartley Pudlians? I believe it's Hartley Pudlians. Cool. Yeah, like Liverpudlians. Yeah. Or Novacastrians from Newcastle. Shut up. Yeah, that's it. That's like... If I mean, they no was, one has ever said if that. If they were from space. <laughs> Novacastrians. So, wait a minute. Are people from Paul just Pudlians? Pool in Yorkshire. In oh, Pool in Dorset. Hold on. Sorry, stop that. I didn't do the joke. <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a super easy joke to do. So, um, wh- where's Paul? In Dorset. Of course I would. I bloody love the place. Oh, yes. The glee in your eyes. I did it right. For <laughs> I'm going to edit that so it sounds like you didn't. Uh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> obviously. But... Clearly, through time, Hartley Budlians have come to embrace this story, and uh, the the monk, they have a, a mascot for the local team, football team, and he's a, a monkey called Hangus. Oh, Hangus! Now you could have just called him Angus, mm. and the pun still would have worked. Mm. But they've called him H apostrophe Angus, a Scottish name, not a French name. But that's the monkey's name. Has he got a noose around his neck? Because that seems in poor taste. Well, he's he was played by a man called Stuart Drummond, and I was just looking this up because Wikipedia has an interesting thing about this guy, which is that he ran for mayor of Hartlepool, and that's where he made national news because he ran for mayor wearing the monkey costume. Oh, and so it was on things like "Have I Got News for You?" So people have heard about this, and he was promising. Uh, free bananas for all school kids, or something like that. Mm. Among not that many other things, that was his, that was his central policy. Promise to smear his own uh, excrement on the walls, and um, and he won. That's the important thing oh. to know. He actually, yeah, he he won. According to Wikipedia, it says he won, but was not allowed to wear the monkey costume in office. And I followed the link to check that, and it goes to a Google article which does not mention that at any point. So I really hope it's true that he wanted to continue dressing as a monkey, but Is wasn't it allowed. The chain wasn't big enough to go over the head. Maybe the mayoral chain. It wouldn't be. Yeah, it's not practical. There was a New Statesman article about him before he was elected, saying that up until that point, he was famous for having once simulated a sexual act with a female employee of the football team while she was trying to carry. Out the halftime lottery draw, and I'm guessing he was dressed as dressed as a monkey, ha- dressed as Angus the monkey. Yeah, mm. so it's not it's ha- not just him. Pronounce ha- Angus. Ha- Angus. It wasn't just him. It was ha- Angus that he was bringing into ill repute there. But that isn't even the scandal that I was going to tell you. About. Oh, the scandal is that after having won and promised all the school children bananas, he immediately rolled back that promise and did not give any school children bananas. But went on to win two more terms, Whoa. having been quickly forgiven. For his banana flip flop, <laughs> and the whole of that was an attempt for me to bring us to the phrase banana flip flop. That was the point. Brilliant, first class. I've learned a phrase we should have used in an earlier episode when we were talking about Yobbit and Yonis. Yeah, this story is a blazon populaire, which is a that folklore... sounds like monkey talk to me. <laughs> it's a folklore term for uh, a story which is told about another group or race or nationality. So when you make fun of the, the stupid thickos in the next town over, or when you make fun of the people of Hartlepool based on an obviously not true story, it's a blason populaire. That's the and, old word for bullying. Yeah, racism. Yeah. It's, the, it's the French <laughs> word for racism. So that is the story of the Hartlepool monkey. Cut his jimmy off. That's I quite don't good. Know how, was quite it? a good Hartlepool monkey. Yeah, it's not bad. To the scores. Yes. Uh, so my first category for the scoring is... Well, I'm going to go with supernatural because I don't think there's anything supernatural. No, in the we'll story. get that out of the way. There's supernatural. No, there's not even a tale of... Ooh, 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 but ooh. There's a nearly a mermaid. Nearly a mermaid. Monkey the mermaid. idea of a mermaid. Yeah. Long scar sounds pretty spooky. Nope. Zero. <sighs> Come on. Zero? Is it possible to give zero? Yeah, we've given zeros. <sighs> All right, then. Next category. Naming. Yes. We've got loads of names. Yeah. Ha-Angus. Ha-Angus. Blazon Populaire is a good good name for a thing. 
uh, Athol Forbes, aka the Reverend Forbes Alexander Phillips. Athol uh, protected. Uh, we got Long Scar. He would be as well. Oh, Ned Corvin wrote the song. That's a nice name. Ned, Ned Corvin. Corvin. I quite yeah. like that name actually. Yeah, I, this is very high for naming. I, it's a four. It would have gone up to five if they'd have at least come up with a name for the monkey. Look. The monkey's oh, called Pug, sorry, to, to poor Pug, all yeah. behaved. Yeah, because he's got, yes. not only has the monkey's got a name, the monkey's penis has a name. <laughs> and that name is Jimmy. And that name is a nickname. <laughs> so you think the, the monkey's penis's full name was James? <laughs> yes. Or Jimothy. <laughs> My next category for you is the, the spirit of Brexit. <laughs> from, uh, from that famous Charles Dickens novel. Yeah. It was the worst of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> The spirit of Brexit. Because I feel like it's got a lot of Brexit qualities. It's got general xenophobia. Massive. That, that's quite... Yep. For, I mean, I don't know how Hartlepool voted, but I also don't think we need to check. So there's a bit of xenophobia there. There's there's, um, there's there's a bit of sort of an element of fake news, like the story probably didn't really happen at all. It's being spread as a deliberate yep. lie. Definitely, um, yeah. There's good. promises being made, like, you're going to get loads of bananas. And then later on... I never said anything about bananas. Yeah, did he write that on the side of a bus or perhaps a banana boat? Yeah, for all we know, he did. Yeah, and uh, he definitely didn't. Okay, so I yeah, feel like because this guy's still alive, an alive person. Um, that didn't happen. The Hartlepoolian politician Stuart Drummond is a fictional character, bearing no relation to the actual man. We're having fun with the idea of Drummond. He ran for an election dressed as a monkey. I think he likes a laugh. I hope he likes a laugh. So yeah, I think it's pretty. It's pretty Brexitful. Totally Brexitful. Capturing um, the essence of Brexit only uh, only a few hundred years. The only the thing itself. that would make that more Brexitable would be if the Hartley Pudlians were not allowed to hang the monkey because of Brussels red tape. <laughs> and the reason that Drummond couldn't supply those bananas is because they were of the wrong shape. <laughs> that is true. Although, uh, that, the, the first part is almost true, because they should have taken him to Durham to be tried, mm. but they didn't want Durham to get the glory and honour. Uh, that's a quote from Athol Forms. So it sort of is true. They were circumventing those uh, pen-pushing bureaucrats. Yeah, the bloody blooming Brussels bureaucrats. Take that. I'm going to hang our monkey any way we want. We're going to cut any jimmies off. Cut all his jimmies off. He's only got one. Whoa, used to have more in the good old days. <laughs> Dunkirk spirit. So <laughs> uh, the, my final category. Uh, that was a five, obviously. My final category is the Tarantino factor. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I feel I have to explain that. I really have edited out a lot of uh, Hartlepudlian on monkey violence. Oh, in relating Ned Corvin's version of the story and all the versions of the story. The song I, version. The song version is mainly just a list of horrible things done to a monkey to comic effects. Like, to, cutting to, his jimmy off is just the tip of the jimmy. Ooh. Iceberg. <laughs> they did the whole thing. It's, yeah, it's, it, oh, it's, they're tearing chunks out of this poor monkey. And uh, it's hilarious because violence towards animals was really funny in the past. You used it, to love it. Yeah, I've, I've read a very disturbing book about court cases in about uh, with animals yeah where like a, a wolf got tried for because it like at a baby or something so they took it to court yeah and like nailed it into a chair so it was sat horrible that is awful yeah and i was in germany somewhere another proud town they like tried a pig because it had eaten someone's dinner or something i don't know that seems like a misdemeanor at best yeah hey the law's the law <laughs> I'm sorry. So, uh, so uh, what do you reckon? I mean, could it be more Tarantino-ish? It could have happened in a non-linear fashion. 
There could have been unnecessary shots of feet in it, and (laughs) it could have been about four hours long or turned over two podcasts. Yeah, true. It could be more. I give it a three. A three? For Tarantino-ness. Because it's very bloodthirsty. It is. But unfortunately, that isn't solely what Tarantino is known for anymore. Should have said Sam Peckinpah. Sam Peckin Monkey's Paw. You've been listening to Lawmen. The Lawmen are James Shakeshaft and Alistair Beckett King. Please subscribe, rate, review, and recommend to a friend. You can tweet us at LawmenPod or email us at contact at lawmenpodcast.com to suggest stories from your area. And this tale is a tale of Cornish. I mean, if I don't know, just just odd jobs.